Welcome to the Campus Rush Podcast. We believe that God will speak through this word and meet you right at the point of your need. We hope that God will bless you through this message. I want to speak for a few minutes tonight on God Dream Part 2. Last week we got into some good stuff. Uh, This week I want us to dive in. Are y'all ready for the meat of this? I'm ready to go. I've been praying all day. I'm ready and I'm pumped in my spirit. Uh, to dish out to you what God has been ministering to me uh, this whole day. Let's pray. Father, um, we come to you because no one else can do what you do. Um, We ask you humbly just to show us your way, show us your truth, show us your light, oh God, and uh, just guide us so that we can see exactly what you have for us and what you want to do for us. In Jesus' name we've prayed, amen. I've been really feeling in my spirit that this is the time more than ever that God really wants to speak to his people. I've really been in a season of my life where really recently God is really speaking to me, Pastor, on what he wants to do in this generation, what he's trying to do in this lifetime, and specifically what he's trying to do in this church. And so I want to speak to you from a perspective tonight uh, uh, in a few minutes, but but I want to just prophesy to this church that we are about to experience our best days ahead of us. I, I so believe that. I thoroughly believe that. We are, and, and you know what? You make up the church, so you are about to experience your best days ahead of you. Uh, like, I, 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 like I said a few minutes ago, I don't really care about what the enemy has tried to lie to you about your future. Uh, but I've come in, in the form of a man of God to speak to you, to say that whatever God has f- like started to, to the build in your life, that no demon, no force of the wind can blow down what God has built up in your life. Some of y'all looking at me, and, and you don't even know that there are some things that you have been building. There are some things that you've been looking to God to do for you. And there are people just right behind you, people that are right around you, that are just waiting for an opportunity to break down what you have spent and you have sold to build. But I've come, even before the sermon, to speak to somebody who has no hope left. To speak to somebody who has, who was on their last wit's end, like you are about to give in. God brought me here tonight to speak to somebody to say, it's not over, there is still more. God still wants to use you. God still has a plan for you. And even if your dream broke down, God is going to take the pieces and going to build it back up to something that was better. Do you believe that? Well, put your hands together for Jesus. Last week we spoke about this, this scripture and we looked at Jacob who later turned into Israel, and uh, we spoke about this scripture and how he literally got kicked out of his home, and this situation in his home had to kind of start up to get him away from uh, his mother and his father so that he can get to this place called Bethel so that he could dream. Uh, We we spoke about that from that perspective, and we dealt with broken dreams last weekend, and God mended our dreams and and all those things. But when I I think about this ideology of dreams, I, I don't just think about it in the sense of you physically sleeping and you dreaming. On, on the playground of, of where God communicates supernatural things to natural things. I also think about it as your vision, as your purpose, as what God wants you to do, as, as, as the thing that God has placed in you to come out. That's what I see as your dream. I see it as the very thing that God has, has literally just put inside of you, the thing that you've been praying for, that God says, this is the vision, this is the business, this is the plan, this is the mandate. That is what I believe the dream is. Now, when I think about that, I, I essentially break down dreams to simply be thoughts. Um, our dreams can be understood as simply thoughts. Somebody say that my dreams are also thoughts. They're also thoughts. And, and on that subject, I began to ask God, I say, God, 
We are always thinking thoughts, but God, what are you thinking towards me? What, like at every point in my life, I'm always like, God, what are you, what are you trying to say about me? I remember growing up and I was four years old and, and, and Nick, I was like the church drummer at four years old. And I used to wear my diapers and I remember playing drums and, and, and having to go pee and, and like taking, like putting the drumsticks down and like running to the bathroom and then coming back and coming to play. And I remember doing so many things. And even in those moments, I say, God, why would you make me the church drummer at four years old? And I would think to myself, God, what are you thinking about me in this point of my life? I remember growing up and, and moving around so much. I moved in, you know, some of you know my story. I moved and lived in so many different cities across Ontario. My dad pastored in the States for a bit. And so we moved around a lot. And even in those moments, I would ask myself, God, what are you thinking about me? Like, why would you bring me to a point whereby you would let me make friends and then let me lose friends and they got to make friends again, then lose them again, and then make them again? Like, what are you thinking about me? God, would you really want me to go through that? What are your thoughts towards me? What are you thinking towards me? And God brought me to this scripture in the Bible uh, where it talks about in Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says this for, I know the plans I have for you, period. For I know the plans I have for you, says Lord. Can you read this promise that God gives you? One, two, three, go. Read it some more time with, with vigor. Come on, one, two, three, go. That's it. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. God has your plan for your life in him. He says, okay, you, you want to know, God, what am I supposed to do with my life? Where am I supposed to go in my life? I take these plans that you are looking for. I'm like, God, what am I supposed to do with my life? Well, God, where's, what's my passion? What is my purpose? What do you want me to do? You made me go to school for four years. For what? What do you want me to do with this degree? I'm in the first year, I don't even know what I'm trying to do. God, what are your plans for my life? God says this, man, you're struggling. And I don't know why, because your plans that you're looking for are in the palm of my hand, and I've hidden them in me. So this is, this is, this is it. This is our, our problem, is that the plans that God has for us are hidden in him, but we don't tarry with God. That, that's, the, that's the problem. So, so what happens is God's plans are in him, but we don't spend time enough around God. And even if we do spend time with God, we only spend time in the presence of God to get what we need like it's a fix. And then what begins to happen is this. We get a glimpse of what God is trying to show us, and we take that and we run with it. So you know what happens is that now you're fulfilling your, your half vision with full obedience. So you're fully obeying a half-baked vision, a half-baked purpose, a half-baked plan. Because you didn't take your time to tarry in the presence of God. Many times it's not just about what you can get from God, but it's about, God, I'm waiting here until you speak to me. Many times we sit in church and, if you don't come, we won't move. We're desperate. Love. See, you're not even singing the song. I said, if we don't come, what, are, we, we, what is the lyrics? Okay. I don't need I don't know the lyrics. If you don't come, sing it. Okay. A desperate love for a touch on. One more time, everybody. If you don't put our hands together. We won't move. A desperate love for a touch. Now add some passion to that. If we don't come, hey. we won't move. A desperate love for a touch on. If you don't come, we won't move. A desperate love for a touch on. Touch from your 
Don't mind me, don't mind me. I just had a glimpse of my high school. But you see, guys, the funny thing about that, we don't mean it. We just, we just sang it. I beatboxed it. But yeah, we don't even mean the lyrics we're singing. If you don't come, I won't move. Do you know what that takes? That takes God. Even if you use me to kill the lion and the bear, I still won't go. I'll still stay with the sheep. That's God. Even if you show me where you're taking me, I will still stay where you have me. Just because God shows you where he's taking you doesn't mean you're to go there yet. Many of us disrupt God's plans for our life because we are not patient. We don't have the tenacity nor do we have the patience to sit and allow God to tell us where he wants us. Not about what he's revealed to us and where we think we should go. Those are two different things. God can say, this is what I revealed about your life, but this is where I want you. I may have called you to be the pastor, but this is where I want you serving right now. I may have called you to be a businessman, but I want you to be mopping the floor right now. I can show you something, but it doesn't mean I'm going to bring you there yet. Our problem is we know the plan's too early. We know half of the plan, but the full plan. And then we go out and we try to work it out in our own might. And then when we get burned and when we get backstabbed, and God, you said you would be there for me. God said, but I didn't put you there. I told you that that's where I'm taking you. But I didn't say I was taking you there now. I came here under the unction of the Holy Ghost to tell somebody that there is a red light on your vision right now. I see a yellow light on someone's vision right now. Slow down. Because God may tell you something, but that may not be where he wants you to be as of yet. You see, there's two parts of this scripture, and I want us to read the second part. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Can you read this second part for me? One, two, three, go. Okay. Can you get it to me in the NKJV version? It says something in the NKJV uh, version. You have that for me? We're waiting for it. We're waiting for it. Is it there? Okay, let's read it. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. It says, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. In the NIV version, it says this, that I have plans and thoughts that I think towards you, and it's plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope, and plans to give you a future. So get this revelation right here. God has your plan in the palm of his hand. He puts them on the inside of him. And he says, if you want to come and get it. It's like, God, you're not revealing it to me. He says, well, I'm here. You're not spending time with me. God says, I'm right here. Just, just be in my presence a little longer and I'll reveal to you level one. But don't jump to level five. Stay at level one. I got you right here. I, I have your plans right here on the inside of me. I got them. And what are those plans to do? Number one, to prosper you. Plans of prosperity. Number two, it's plans to give you a hope and plans to give you a future. Can somebody repeat after me? Say, prosperity is mine. Say, a hope is mine. And see, my future is mine. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and plans to give you a future. These are what God wants to do through you. So any plan that God wants to exercise through your life has three purposes. To prosper you, to give you a hope, and to give you a future. That's why God would give you a plan. It's to prosper you. 
give you a hope and to give you a future. Now, you have to understand that these plans that God has for you are birthed under the foundations of these three things that I'm going I'm to say right now. So write them down. The plans that God wants to birth in your life, the plans which are to give you a pro, uh, to prosper you, to give you a hope, and to give you a future are birthed on the foundation of these three things. Number one, a seed. God wants to prosper your seed. Now, some, oh, somebody, somebody understood that. But you have to understand this. What is, what is the seed? The seed, it could be business. The seed could be school. The seed could be literally money on the altar. God wants to prosper it. God can say, man, you've been so and so much at the altar. I want to prosper you. You, you have been working so hard in school. I want, to pro I want to favor you and prosper you right where you are. Many times we, we think of this prosperity thing or, or hope and a future, and we're like, God, you know, prosper my business when I'm, when I'm, when I'm 50. Give me a hope when I'm 50. Give me a future when I'm 65. God says, no, I want to do it now. If you could tap the revelation of the now moment, God can say, I can do a new thing in a now moment. God wants to give you a future. He wants to give you a hope, and he wants to prosper you on the foundations of these three things. Number one is a seed. God wants to prosper your seed. I prophesy to your seed right now. God will prosper it. I don't know what you've been sowing. And I feel like I don't have a church in here right now, but I don't know what you've been sowing in tears. God's about to prosper you and make you uh, such a, a force to be reckoned with that even the tears you've been crying will no longer be tears of sorrow, but tears of joy. You've been in too much pain. And God is saying, I want to prosper you in your mess. You don't have to be perfect for God to prosper. You just got to be willing and broken and open. Can you be open for God to prosper you? God wants to make somebody here a millionaire, but you don't have the capacity to think that. Like, God, how could you in heaven? You're like this, you're, you're this being. How can you make money come into my Like, how can you? Listen, there's something called the supernatural, which means that even though we live in this natural realm, God lives in the supernatural realm, which is the spiritual realm. And his plans don't look like our plans. His thoughts are not our thoughts, nor his ways our ways. So when God says, I want to prosper your seed that you've sown, you've sowed a hundred dollars at the altar. I have plans to prosper that a hundred to make it a thousand if you just have faith as small as a mustard seed. I'm working in here tonight. Number one is your seed. Number two is your gift. Someone say gift. God has given everybody a gift. You have an innate gift. God has blessed people in this room with the ability of, of, just, of just coordination. Do you know how, how much of a gift coordination is? Like just to be, to be able to coordinate events. Like, like Natasha's good at that stuff. Me, I, I try. I'm not the best. But there's a gift of administration. There's a gift of coordination. There's not just gifts that you can see on the stage. But there are hidden gifts somewhere that you may not know of. It doesn't disqualify that from still being a gift. I went downstairs before service, and I heard the sound of intercessors praying in one of the back rooms. And I said, this is crazy, because nobody, Pastor David, would ever see these intercessors praying down there. But God has given them a gift of intercession. Your gift doesn't always have to be on display. I'm dropping way too many nuggets tonight. I said, your gift doesn't have to be on display. Not everybody is called to be on the stage. There are some gifts that need to happen. You know what? It's the prayers that are happening downstairs that are clearing the atmosphere for upstairs. There are some gifts that are in private, but God uses that gift to bless people in public. Now, if you can understand that even though God wants you to give you a gift that it doesn't have to be public, you would understand how God works. 
God works with those in the backfields. God specializes with those who people don't see. God specializes with taking the broken things of this life and making them beautiful again. He specializes in those things. If you want to know the definition of a gift, the gift uh, as a definition is God, uh, God given grace to distinguish you amongst many. God given grace to distinguish you amongst many. Everybody in this room has special giftings that God specially deposits within them. What makes you different is that gift from somebody else. What you can do, somebody else can't do. And what they can do, you can't do. It's a gift that you all have that is different from everybody else's. And I'm not going to get into comparison because comparison, as we already know, kills. What it does is when you get into the game of comparison to try to compare a gift to somebody else, you'll break your back. <laughs> Trying to force yourself into a mold God never created you to be. There's an anointing that's for you that, that comes out when you operate your gift. I felt that one. I felt that one. Can I go a little deeper tonight? There was an anointing that comes out when you begin to operate that gifting that God placed on you. So what happens is when you begin to try to operate a gift that God didn't design or give you innately, your anointing is not coming out as fast or it's not, it's not blessing people the way you think it should. So then you get frustrated like, what the heck? How come this person sings and the glory comes down? And I sing in my bathroom and nothing happens. All I'm hearing is a joyful noise that's coming. You know, but, but, but when somebody else sings, it, the anointing comes down. Why? It's their gift. They may be able to sing, but you may be able to just organize a meeting to the point where it's like, what? There's even cue cards, there's, there's marshmallows, and there's punch? What the heck? I would never be able to put that together. See, because that's a gift. That's a gift. And we downplay the gift because we don't think uh, that, that it's noticeable. But God's telling me to preach to somebody in this, in this place tonight who has the faith to receive it. That God is in the process of taking the, the rough edges in your life and sharpening them up so that your gift can produce wealth for you. Oh my gosh. Can I, if I could receive an amen, it'd help a brother in this place. I mean, if I could receive a rowdy amen, it'd really help me in this place. Because the way y'all looking at me is like, you don't understand what I'm saying tonight. I'm trying to tell somebody that you have a gift on the inside of you. And even though you downplay it, God needs it. Stop downplaying the gift on your life. You're anointed only if you realized the gift on the inside of you. I'm not anointed. I can't do anything. No, you haven't discovered your gift. Your gift will produce that, that anointing, that grace on the inside of you. It comes out when you locate that gift. For years, I played bass. I still play. I love playing music. I play all the instruments. That's what I do. That's what I love. I'm a musician. I produce music. Uh, just a shameless plug. Our album's coming out real soon. You know, just got to say it. You know... I'm pumped for it. We just heard the mixes and it's sounding amazing and it's going to change this world with the sound of worship. It's going to go out and refresh this world and I believe that your church is releasing world-class music that people around the world are already singing this music. But just to say, music's my thing. That's what I like to do and that's my gift. When I'm in that realm of worship, my anointing flows. Now, let me, let me blow your mind with something. You may have different giftings you may not have discovered yet. I never knew I could preach. I never knew I could speak to people and communicate the gospel until God said, listen, there is a generation depending on your voice right now. If you don't obey it, God will bring you to the forefront and say, you have to do it. There is a gift that is dying on the inside of you that God wants to resurrect. 
I'm feeling that for somebody. There's a gift on the inside of you that God is saying, it is now the time for you to begin to develop that gift because God has need of it. <sighs> Number three is your character. What's your character? Your character are qualities that were, that were, that were taught from when you were a young person, a child, uh, to be able to manage the gift that God has placed on you. Three things that are the foundations to birth these, these plans that God has for you, which is to prosper you, give you a hope, and give you a future. It's number one, your seed. Number two, your gift. And number three, your character. Now, how do you develop your character and how do you develop your gift? Those are the two things I want to focus on is your gifting and your character. Because the Bible says that a man's gift shall make room for you. It will make room for you and bring you in front of great men, great kings. But what keeps you there is your character. You may have the gift on the inside of you, but if you don't know how to steward the gift, if you don't know how to carry the gift, I know so many people that have, they may have the gift uh, to be able to, to prophesy or the gift uh, to be able to, to do administration or whatever have you, the gift of servitude, but their character is not intact. So the packaging of the gift is not nice. So it doesn't matter how gifted you are. People won't call for you because they don't, you, your, your character smells. Your character stinks. Your character can't keep you there. Your gift is great. We love, the, we love it when you sing, but when you come off the stage and you're not in that gift element, I can't stand you. Because your character is what develops you even when the lights are off you. Your character is who you are when nobody's watching. Your character is your integrity. Your character, if I have some people in this place who say, God, change my character to be more like you. I want you to jump up on your feet and say, God, change me. Oh my God. God is in the process right now of changing your character. He's refining your character to manage the gift on the inside of you. Tap three people as you have your seat and say, God is getting ready to use me. Come on. Oh, my gosh. I'm feeling it in this place. You develop your gift and your character. I'm almost done. You develop your gift and your character when you tarry in the presence of the one who has the plan. I told you that God's plan is hidden on the inside of him. And his plan is to prosper you. His plan is to give you a hope. And his plan is to give you a future. Those plans are birthed on the foundation of a seed. The foundation of what else? Of your gift and the foundation of your character. How do you develop your gift and how do you refine your character? Is when you tarry in the presence of God. I'm looking for those days where young people will go back to the floor and on the knees and say, God, use me now. God, if you don't come, I seriously won't move. Not that I'll hear your voice and then run with a little bit of it and try to create something. But I won't move until you speak and tell me. Don't just show me my plan. Show me where to go. Show me how to use it. Show me how to activate it. God will never just reveal to you something and not show you how to have it, like how to do it. If God hasn't shown you, get this, if God hasn't shown you how to operate the gift or operate your dream, it's not time for you to move yet. Oh, y'all ain't in this place tonight. I said, it's not time for you to move yet. If God hasn't told you, this is how you're supposed to work it out. When God started speaking to me about Campus Rush, I sat down for one day. I had pages upon pages of blank paper. And God was telling me, this is how you're supposed to do it. This is who you're supposed to call. This is the places you're supposed to go. This is the funding you're supposed to get. This is how he gave me the blueprint. I have it on pieces of paper, about 12 of them. God will never show you something, give you a burden for something, and then told, not, not tell you how to actually work that thing out. If he hasn't given you the full plan, you have to tarry. You have to tarry. Young people, we have to learn to tarry together. 
We have to learn to stay in the presence of God until he speaks and tells us where to go, how to go, and how to make it a reality. Are you with me here? Now put your hands together for God real quick. Come on. The thing about this is when we tarry with God, what we're doing is we're taking ourselves from the natural to the supernatural. Do you have those things for me? Ready? Do you have those things for me? Ready? Go, go get this for me. I want to teach something tonight to, 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 to our church so that we can understand it. Uh, but what happens is, and they're going to get it. I'm going to demonstrate something for you. What happens is when you begin to tarry in the presence of God, what happens is that your location and, and the place that you begin to, to live and abode is no longer just in a mere place of the natural. But you begin to make decisions from the supernatural perspective. You begin to live in the supernatural. You make plans in the supernatural. God will show you who to talk to, who not to talk to, who to cut off, which class to go to, even which prof to sit under. God will tell you what to do. Why? Because when you begin to tarry in the presence of God, the flesh in you dies and the spirit in you is revived. So when your spirit is revived, your spirit begins to connect to the spirit of God. And that's where the plans are, is in the womb of the spirit of God. So his spirit begins to communicate to your spirit. And then God begins to reveal plans because life is about revelation. I think I'm going too fast in this place. But I can't control the revelation coming out of me. God begins to minister to you about specific things you're supposed to do. When your location changes from the natural to the... Are you with me? From the natural to the... From the natural to the... Yes, so your residence has to be the supernatural. You, 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 you live in this. That's why the scripture would say this. The scripture would say that, that even though we are in the world, we are not of the world. We are in the natural, but we are not of we are in the natural, but we're not of the natural. Now I'm going to help somebody on their exam right now. You're in the natural studying. That's your problem. I can't, I can't do good on this exam because you're studying from a place of natural. Move to the supernatural. How do you do that? Create an atmosphere where God can dwell. Study in the presence of God. Study with worship music on. Pray for one hour and say, God, speak to me through this physics right now. Speak to me through this engineering right now. Speak to me through this business right now. God, begin to speak to me. I'm preaching like I'm feeling it. And they're not clapping halfway. I'm preaching right now. I say, God, speak to me from the supernatural. I received too many, too many, too many messages. Please be seated. Of people that say, Pastor, I have a problem and I don't know how to deal with this problem. And the first thing that I feel out is if they're speaking from the place of the natural or the supernatural. Because the Spirit of God speaks. And the Spirit of God speaks faith. So I can easily tell if you're operating from the natural or the supernatural. It's very simple. Natural people look at natural things. God is not in the natural, so you'll never see faith. You'll never see God. Supernatural people, they only dwell with God. So problems come, and when they see the problem, they say, problem, I see you, but I'm already chilling with the problem solver. My, my, good God almighty. My, my, my residence is already with the problem solver. Like, we're chilling already. Like, you think that this exam has me, but I'm already with the one who created the one who wrote the exam. Like, I'm already chilling with that person. So whatever problem that you think you can throw at me, devil, you are, just, you are just wasting your time right now. Because my residence is in the presence of the God which is in the supernatural. Proverbs 29, 12 through, uh, to 14 would say this. Then you will call on to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Verses 13 says, you will seek me. 
and find me when you seek with me with all your heart. And then the Bible goes on to say this, and I will be found by you. Now, let me help somebody who's also trying to discover things about their purpose and their plans. Uh, you, you can say this, Pastor, I know for a fact, I know that God's plans are hidden in him. I know that his plans are, are, to, are to prosper me. His plans are to give me a hope. His plans are to give me a future. I know that it's based and it's birthed on the foundations uh, uh, of, 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 of all these things, of my seed, of my gift, of my character. I know that that's the foundation. So I've moved my residence from the natural to the supernatural. And you can say, Pastor, everything you're saying, I've already done it. Now, let me speak to that person tonight to tell you this. Now, the reason why God may not have been revealing to you things about the how, things about the what, things about the where, things about the who is because of this. God can't trust your motives. I'm helping different people tonight. The reason why God hasn't revealed things to you, you're like, Pastor Kof, I what you're talking about, I do it already. Like, I'm in the presence of God 24-7. I play the worship music. I know all the latest, the latest albums that are out. I know all the worship moves, the worship sway. I know everything, you know what I mean? I can go on my knees. I know the one where you stick my hand out. Ooh, good God. I know all those things. I, I can do everything. But I can wail. I can sing. I can, do, I can do it all. But God is still not speaking to me. My walk with God is still stale. It's dried up. It's not fired up. It's, not, it's because, listen, the Bible says that when you seek with to God when you seek for God with your heart You're, you have to search for God with your heart and not just your heart it says your whole heart and so we have people in the presence of God serving half-heartedly how can God bless because his word won't allow him to reveal he can only reveal based off the foundations of his word now once you're submitted to his word that then gives him the authority to release revelation Revelation is only given to people who are submitted to the, the promises of God, who are submitted to the will of God, who are submitted to the plans of God, who are submitted under God. So when you become submitted in the supernatural to God, what happens is God begins to look and say, okay, where is the heart level now? You're with me. You're chilling with me. You're praying. You're worshiping. You're singing. You're in the presence of God. But what is your heart like? What, what is... What, 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 what's the condition of your heart? And based off of that condition of your heart, God then begins to say, okay, I'm going to reveal my plans to you. I'm going to reveal my, my promises to you. Now, somebody who understands it so beautifully is, is the story of David. David in the Bible, Pastor Sam would say this, that he was in the field for God knows how long, 16 years. However, he was in the field. He was a shepherd. He was there in the field. He was just serving the sheep. He was serving the sheep. But you know what was happening while he was serving the sheep? Number one, his character was being refined. Let me help somebody. Your character can't be worked on, uh, and let me choose my words carefully, in a large scale or it can't be uh, uh, worked on in, in a heavy manner while under the spotlight. Let me just say that. God conditions the heart of men and women that he trains in the private. So that by the time you come to the spotlight, your character has been refined to a certain level. Whereby God can now take you from one level to the next level to the next level. God works on the condition of our hearts. God works on us in private. It says this, what did, actually, what did David actually learn in the fields? Let me give you a, a few points that we're going to be up on our feet. I really want to teach this and push this series along so that we can have an incredible miracle service next week. 
It says, what did, what did he learn in the fields? Number one, he learned how to work on his gift. The Bible says David was his shepherd boy, and all he would do is play his harp. Just play his harp, play his guitar. He doing rock shows for the, for the sheep, just playing his guitar, doing his thing. He's playing his guitar. He's playing his harp in the fields, and he was refining his gift, Pastor, and he was getting better at his gift, and he was learning to make mistakes because there's some mistakes that if you made it in public, people can't forgive you. If you made those mistakes in, in public, people won't forgive you for the mistakes. People, <laughs> goodness. There's a saying that says what? That, that people, uh, they, they, for, they forgive, but they don't forget. I don't know if I really believe that when it comes to, to, to men of God or when it comes to people who are under the blood, right? Because there's some things that happen in leadership, and it feels like I'm really speaking to leaders tonight, is this, that when it comes to God bringing you from the backfield to the forefront, there's some mistakes that if you were to make them in here on the stage, they would cost you everything. So God says this, take advantage of the time where you're not being seen. Because you can make all the mistakes and no one cares. You could, do you know how many times David probably made mistakes trying to play the harp? Like, oops, no one cares except for the sheep. No one cares except for the sheep. But when he was called to play for Saul, he couldn't make a mistake. Why? Because his mind depended on it. The Bible says Saul had a mental state and he needed somebody who was a skillful player. How skillful are you at your gift? You create content online. How good are you at it? You're a business person. How good are you at it? You are a student. Are you good? Your gift is refined when nobody can see you. Take advantage of the darkness and just learn. Just, just make mistakes. Make mistakes and get up. Preach in your mirror. Preach until you can't preach no more. Preach till you make mistakes and you mess up your syntax and you mess up your hermeneutics and you mess up your home letters. Because there's a time where when God takes you from the fields and brings you to the stage, you don't have the you can't, you don't have the time to mess up. We don't come on stage to practice. Talking about practice? We, we talk about we, practice. We don't have time to practice when people's lives are dependent on it, when their souls depending on it. You think God is joking with your gift? Give me some on this mic. Do you think God is playing with your gift? That's why I said we all have gifts on the inside of it. Do you think God is playing with your gift? He needs you to be the best content creator. He needs you to be the best fashion designer. He needs you to be the best makeup artist. He needs you to best be the best musician, the best businessman. He needs you to be the best lawyer, engineer, doctor. Why? Because people's lives depend on it. God won't just leave your gift in the raw state. He gives you the gift, but then it's up to you to develop it. Then you're like, how do I develop my, how do I develop my gift? In the presence of God, he gives you strategies. Oh, I feel like I've, I've taught like four sermons tonight. <laughs> he gives you, he gives you strategies in the presence of God. God gives you strategies to develop your gift in private. Make all the mistakes you need to make. David made all the mistakes he needed to make, but by the time he got on the forefront and he had to play for Saul, there was no time for mistakes. Every note he played mattered. Every, every move he made mattered. Every progression he played mattered. God is about, not, not about, God has already brought us to the place whereby, by the grace of God, when we speak, people around the world are listening to what God is saying right now. And your gift is a part of what makes this possible. Now, if we're not developing and refining our gifts right now, when somebody needs and calls for you, you don't want to actually flop when you get into their presence. I prophesy your gift will be developed properly. Develop your gift in the quiet. Don't let people, don't let too many people know you're developing. Number two, David learned 
how to be patient when he realized his capacity. Get this. David, the Bible says this. Uh, it says that he was tending to the sheep, Gilan. He was tending to the sheep. And a lion came, tore the lion to shreds. A bear came, tore the lion, tore the bear to shreds. Why? Because his assignment was to protect the sheep. He understood his assignment, and he stuck to his assignment for that level. Now, this is where it gets deep. He was protecting the sheep, and he was a shepherd boy, but he found out while protecting the sheep that he had the capacity to kill a lion and the capacity to kill the bear. Now, this is what many of us do, and myself included sometimes, is we see the, the, the depth of our capacity, and so we think that's, that that means a shift of assignment. I can do this, so it means I'm definitely not called for that. I killed a lion, so I should be with people who actually kill lions and not protect sheep. I can kill a bear, so I should be with the people who can kill bears and not protect the sheep. Do you have the propensity on the inside of you to kill a lion and know your capacity but still go back to the sheep? Do you have that propensity on the inside of you? I pray you receive it. I pray that you receive it. You need that grace to be able to know what you can do, but not touch it yet. I, oh my God, if somebody gives me the mic, I know I could, I could tear down this stage, but not yet, 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 not yet. If somebody was to get me, oh my goodness, in front of, in front of, in front of a Fortune 500 company, I knew I could present my idea and it would take it like this, not yet. You may think that you have the pitching capabilities, but you don't know that. You may get into their presence and stutter. God is trying to, he's trying to perfect your stutter in the private. Allow him to perfect your stutter. Because by the time you get to the presence of those who have the capability and the capacity to bring you from the fields into the palace, you don't have time to be stuttering on your future. So what do you want to do with this idea? Uh, I don't know. But well, why are you here if you don't know? God is trying to download something in you in the private only if you could tarry. You see, we're almost done. I got two points for you. What did David learn in the fields? He learned how to develop his character while no one was watching him. God wants to refine your character, especially in the private. Being a public Christian is pretty easy. Just make sure that when you go out, nobody that you go to church with is watching you. I mean, I've done it. <laughs> Super vax. You get into the club. All right, we safe. Everybody, come in, come in, come in, come in. No one from Thursday is going to see me on Friday? Okay, cool. I've done it. I know what it's like to be able to, 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 try, to try to push aside one life for the other. I know, I know exactly what it's like. But, but what really matters is, is what you do when no one's watching you. The type of decisions you make. Because our walks with God are just founded upon decisions. And that is what actually that sets us apart in terms of our holiness level, in terms of our anointing levels. You may have gone to the same encounter with somebody, but they're way further than you. Why? Because of the decisions they made in private. Your private decisions, they lead to public promotions. Because when you're anointed, people can smell it and see it. 
But how do you steward that anointing? Are you proud with it? The reason why God can't give you too much anointing is because if he gives you a little, you are already trying to tear down the city with this little drop of anointing. And God hasn't, having, God hasn't even shown you how to steward that anointing. You can't even, you can't even do any, you can't even handle a drop of the grace. You're already, your head is too big. Why would he give you a, a horn of oil if you can't even handle the flax? Can't even handle a drip of anointing. Last point for you tonight. Let's be up on our feet. Keys, you can help me. Man, I'm done. I think I've preached a lot tonight. What David did in the field is that he was able to develop dependency on God. Do you know this? That even when David would mess up, he would repent. Bible says even when he messed up, with Bathsheba, he still repented. Many times in the Bible, you would hear him messing up, and many of the Psalms talk about his, his songs that he's writing to God in repentance of what he did. You know, scriptures like, created me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me. Scriptures like that. Some of us have to learn that as God begins to lift us, pour into us, when he begins to call us in the realm of the supernatural and he's revealing to us things in the supernatural, that as he begins to reveal his plans to us, we still understand dependency and can cling to the dust. Humility is a part of character development. And it's a part of what brings you and keeps the anointing on your life still fresh and relevant. People will look for you, not just because of your gift, but if they look for your gift, and you haven't kept the gift well, they won't need the gift. They'd rather take somebody who's humble and is developing their gift than someone who's proud and has a lot of gift. God right now in this moment is trying to tell his church that he's not only calling you to a point of tarrying in his presence. That's why I'm excited for 24 hours of prayer tomorrow night at 6 p.m. at 156. I'm excited. Come and pray. You need to pray. You need to pray. That's why I'm excited that we get to tarry in the presence of God tomorrow all the way until Saturday, 24 hours in God's presence of worship, prayer, prophetic, all those things. I'm excited about it. But it's beyond just tarrying. It's when God reveals to you, what, what do you do with what he's revealing? What, is he, what do you do with his revelations? Like, are you, are you running without knowing where? Are you finding out what he wants you to do? but not depending still on the one that brought you there? I'm not sure where God spoke to you in this sermon tonight, but I know definitely the message to his church was preached. And I want you to take a minute uh, and just talk to God. I don't know what, what, what God spoke to you about tonight. I don't know where he touched your heart tonight, but I want you to pray about that thing. What I really feel in this atmosphere is that God is calling the church to greater humility. Greater humility. I've really been this season of greater humility. Not fake humility, not false humility. Like, oh, no, I'm fine. Humility doesn't mean a dipping of shoulders. Humility is not when you just go on the floor. Those are symbols of humility. Humility. But you can be kneeling on the ground but standing in your heart. You can be prostrated on the ground. But in your heart, you are smirking and you are so, you can be, oh my goodness. 
may God give you the eyes to discern those around you who are just trying to serve you because of where God's taking you and actually not trying to serve from a position of a contrite heart. I want you to pray that as God reveals more revelation to you, that your soul, your heart, your spirit will still cling to the dust. I mean, because the dust is what we were created out of. So your soul will still remember that you are just dust. Thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush Podcast. If you enjoyed this message and want to partner with us, visit us at www.campusrush.org to become a global partner or to partner with us in giving.